Big moves are expected very soon for the New Orleans Saints. So we'll take a look at the big three, GM, head coach, and offensive coordinator. What could change? We got all that and a little bit of land yap for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? I am your host, Ross Jackson, here on the Locked On Saints podcast, the credentialed media member covering your New Orleans Saints as the senior writer and reporter over at Saints News Network. On today's episode of Locked On Saints, we're going to take a look at what a Marshall and Lattimore trade should look like if the New Orleans Saints are crazy enough to do it. We're also going to take a look at some moves that should happen around this team, both coaching staff and personnel-wise. But we're going to kick everything off with some big moves that are expected today, or potentially only one big move expected today. And we'll start by observing and sort of examining the three biggest spots where that move can happen. And I'll give you my percentage chances on each about where I think that change is coming and on the way. Appreciate you, as always, for being an everydayer here on the Locked On Saints podcast and for making us your first listen of the day every day here as a part of Locked On Podcast Network your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by our friends over at LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster and for free. Visit linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So big changes are expected for the New Orleans Saints as early as today. And so we're going to explore the top three spots where those changes could potentially take place. We're going to start with general manager. We're going to take a look at head coach. And actually, we're not going to start with general manager, but we're also going to take a look at offensive coordinator. And that's actually where I want to start because this is where I'm giving about a 90% chance that something is going to happen here. If nothing else, along the offensive side of the football, but you have to expect that there is some adjustment, change, um, tweak, something going on at offensive coordinator. As we've highlighted on this show time and time again, The shortcomings of the offense do have some to do with execution, but they also had a lot to do with system, play calling, decision making, panic, all of these other things that kind of set in on the New Orleans Saints, not only in 2023, but we saw in 2022 as well. And that's really important to me because we're talking about repeatable situations with three different quarterbacks over the course of that time. So with that being the case, you have to have the expectation here that the Saints are going to be wise enough to make a shift at a spot that means a ton to them. Now, let's not forget too, that offensive side of the football is a spot that's gonna be a big time focus. It it could be that the Saints don't necessarily fire Pete Carmichael and therefore get a new offensive coordinator, but they could give him help. They could move him and then promote a Ronald Curry. And of course, when it comes to giving him help, we have to be watching out for the John Gruden situation as well. Could the Saints still be interested in making John Gruden a part of their coaching staff? And if so, obviously that would be on the offensive side of the football, which impacts your offensive system, impacts your offensive play calling. Uh, I don't want to scare anybody here, but when you think about the playoff games from this past week, the Monday night game up against between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Tampa Buccaneers, Matt Patricia, senior defensive assistant, and also play caller. So there is a chance that if you look at somebody that gets brought in, as a senior offensive assistant, like a John Gruden could, he could also be the play caller without actually moving on from Pete Carmichael as offensive coordinator. So just because 
the offensive coordinator spot doesn't change hands and become a different name. It doesn't mean that the New Orleans Saints don't have the opportunity to make a change that ah, I guess in the John Gruden case, I'll say more than likely won't pan out, but that could pan out and still improve that offensive system. I'm a little bit low in terms of what my expectations of how a John Gruden offense of the early 2000s could possibly help the New Orleans Saints catch up with today's game uh, here in 2024, but certainly could help in some way to get better than they were last year. And I think that's got to be the bottom line goal. Doesn't have to be that you have to be the best offense in the NFL. Doesn't have to be that you fully get into today's NFL, I suppose. It's just, can you be better than you were the past two years? Because if you are on the offensive side of the football, especially with the potential of Bill Belichick coming to the division, people were kind of poo-pooing that, but you saw the interview between Belichick and the Atlanta Falcons. You want to at least take, like, step your offense up a notch, bam, Eberl Lagasse style, right? Like you want to do something that gets it better. And I think that's got to be the main focus. Let's go to the other two spots that I said that we would talk about. General manager, head coach. I give these probably about a 5% each. So that gives us our 100% there in total, 90% to offensive coordinator, or at least something that immediately impacts the offensive coordinator. And then I'll give 5% each on head coach and general manager. I don't expect anything to happen in any in either of these cases. The only situation, and, and so just to highlight, um, Dennis Allen, I expect, will be the head coach in 2024. He's told us that he expects to be the head coach in 2024. We've been telling you on this show for months that you should expect him to be the head coach in 2024. Um, Ian Rapport's talking about it. Mike Florio's talking about it. Everybody has kind of already said here as of late that Dennis Allen's safe. So the expectation is that he's going to get a third year in 2024, but no doubt it will be his final shot. If things don't go well, the Saints will be in the head coaching search very likely in 2025 and probably have a good draft pick out of it going into that year as well if things really don't go Dennis Allen's way. So that's the expectation that I have there. Nothing will very likely happen at head coach. Um, general manager, I'm given a 5% chance right now, but I will say this. Jeff Ireland interviewing with the Los Angeles Chargers, uh, or at least was requested to interview with the Los Angeles Chargers. Kai Harley requested to interview with the Carolina Panthers. In either of those cases, especially Kai Harley, if he ends up getting a job offer from Carolina, then I could see maybe this general manager conversation ticking up in percentages a little bit, maybe Mickey Lewis moving to another position, Kai Harley sticking around as general manager. I think that's been sort of like a fun idea to toss around. I I'm not so sure that that ticks up though, very drastically. Like I think that that takes it from maybe like a 5% chance of something happening there to like a 7% chance of something happening there. I don't think that the Saints would be so ready to keep Kai Harley that they would move Mickey Loomis to a different position and then and then do all that. But we'll see. I mean, look, this is an organization that has uh, moved, you know, mountains before to keep people around. You remember what, uh, what happened when Sean, between Sean Payton and Ed Ogeron, when the LSU was trying to hire Ryan Nielsen over as, you know, their defensive coordinator. And so Sean, you know, got mad because Ed didn't talk to him. So he basically promoted him to assistant head coach and all this other stuff. Like we've seen the Saints move mountains to keep guys around and everything. It's just going to be pretty tough to say, all right, you give up your job. He's moving into that job. You do this now. I mean, the Saints could do it and then effectively just move the responsibilities around so that things don't really change. But hey, Kai gets paid a little bit more and that's awesome or a lot more. Uh, but I, I don't know if the Saints are going to do that. So I, I would say that that's like a fun spot thing to speculate on. Um, whether or not the Saints do it, though, I think is, uh, 
it, it, it depends just on how desperate they would be to keep Kai Harley around. And if I'm the Saints, I'm pretty desperate to keep Kai Harley around, if I'm being honest. So I don't know, maybe I could talk myself into it, but uh, it's just not something that I project at this moment, but it's certainly not something that I would call impossible. So just to review, I don't think you're going to see a change in head coach today or this week. I don't think you're going to necessarily see a change at general manager um, today or this week. I do think, though, that we're going to see something happening on the offensive side of the football that drastically impacts offensive coordinators, whether that's a change in offensive coordinator, additional help, or a shift of responsibilities to move somebody else into that role internally, like a Ronald Curry, for instance, then I could see those things happening. And, and in fact, I would sort of be shocked if, if something like that didn't happen. And what I wouldn't be shocked about is the response from the fan base if things didn't uh, change over quickly over at the offensive coordinator spot, because that's going to be a tough sell for the New Orleans Saints if they don't go that route. So that's looking at our big three there, head coach, general manager, offensive coordinator. But what are some of the other changes that could potentially happen for the New Orleans Saints? We're going to break that down because we got much more for you here on today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by our friends at LinkedIn Jobs. Maybe the New Orleans Saints might be tapping into LinkedIn Jobs here this week. We'll see with some expected changes on the way as early as today. We'll see exactly what it is that happens. But maybe you're a small business owner. You know how it goes. You got to wear a whole bunch of hats and everything. And LinkedIn Jobs understands that, especially when it comes to the hiring process. So it builds a bunch of tools to try to make things a little bit easier for you as well, including even generating job descriptions, things like that. And of course, giving you access to a network of over a billion B-I-L-L-I-O-N professionals. It is easier when you're dealing with that kind of job pool. So head over to LinkedIn today to post your job. That's linkedin.com. So it's locked in NFL to post your job for free. Post your job for free today at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. It's allowing you to post your job for free today. Terms and conditions apply. All right, family. What are some of the other big changes that could happen for the New Orleans Saints, including further shifts on their offensive coaching staff? We've got that as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Thank you very much for being an everydayer here on the show. Don't forget, you can go and find that Locked On Sports Today 24-7 national sports stream on YouTube, the first of its kind on YouTube. Be a part of history today by subscribing to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube today. All right, so I've got six things that I think the New Orleans Saints could change outside of that potential offensive coordinator shift, impact, tweak, however you want to look at it. Even though general manager and head coach are going to be the same, I still think that there are some big changes that could be on the way for New Orleans in addition to that OC spot. So let's start off with number one, the offensive line coach. When Doug Marone was added to the New Orleans Saints coaching staff as the offensive line coach, I thought that that was going to pay dividends for New Orleans. Doug Marone's a guy that has been a head coach in the NFL, has been an offensive coordinator here in New Orleans, and of course has been a great offensive line coach in other areas. And in other, with other teams, but things just haven't really panned out here in New Orleans. The other thing that I really thought that he was going to be able to bring was a little bit more of that like fire over on the coaching staff. We don't really see Dennis Allen get emotional. I've asked him about that before. He just has a different philosophy on how it is that he coaches guys up and stuff like that. He's not a get in the face and yell at somebody kind of a coach. He's a little bit more of a, you know, wanting to kind of see everything work out and kind of, you know, nurture a little bit. And look, you could say that that's the wrong approach. You could say that that's the right approach, but from the wrong person, like you could say whatever you want to say about it, but that's the approach, right? So I thought that maybe Doug Marone would give the team a little bit more of a, 
balance in terms of you know a fiery head coach that's out, or a fiery coach that's out there doing stuff, but he can only do so much. He's the offensive line coach, right? He's not the assistant head coach either. That's Darren Rizzi. And Darren Rizzi, believe me, provides a lot of fire. Don't get me wrong. And so Darren does a really good, Coach Rizzi does a good job with all that. But Doug Marone just hasn't really, because of not having the access to provide that value, seeing the shortcomings of the offensive line and the regression of the offensive line is really the only thing that's been reflective of Doug Marone so far. So when the only thing that's reflective of your work has continuously taken steps back, then I think that you're in a situation to where unfortunately you're going to be looked at as somebody that could be moved on from. And I could see the New Orleans Saints absolutely moving on from Doug Marone. In fact, last year, they brought in Kevin Carberry as the offensive line, as assistant offensive line coach. And then Jari Evans was working with the position group as an offensive assistant, but excuse me, future Hall of Famer, Jari Evans. Uh, but then, but Kevin Carberry, before he showed up in New Orleans, was an offensive line coach on his own in Los Angeles. And so you already kind of have a built in successor in a way where you could pretty easily make that change. And boy, wouldn't it be nice to reunite Kevin Carberry with a guy like Zach Robinson of the Los Angeles Rams, who's the passing game coordinator for that team, who's a potential offensive coordinator target in this year's coaching search, who could be a good fit for the New Orleans Saints if they really, really, really want to take their new offensive system or their opportunity in a new offensive system and just thrust it forward. I think that would be a good pairing to have those two guys back together. Could certainly help each other out in terms of translating the language and things like that. So just some connective tissue there that probably means nothing, but I do think that a change in offensive line coach feels likely. Number two, not only do I think that the offensive line coach is a spot that could change, but I do think that rebuilding the offensive line, particularly with both tackle positions right now uncertain in terms of their future and what's going to happen with Trevor Penning, will he continue to develop? Will he get opportunities to develop? Will he even play at left tackle next year? Or And then Ryan Ramchek who, much like his former teammate, Teron Armstead, is kind of contemplating future right now uh, in the NFL because of his uh, degenerative knee issue. And so with that knee issue and an off-season knee surgery potentially on the way, he said that there would possibly be a knee, knee, injury, uh, knee surgery there. We'll see what that means for his career. So for the Saints, they have a golden opportunity here to kind of be forced to rebuild their offensive line. You're not making any change at right guard. Cesar Ruiz is there. He's got that spot. You're not making any change at center. Eric McCoy is there. He's got that spot. But everywhere else, left tackle, left guard, and then, of course, right tackle, I think you have an opportunity to continue to rebuild. And if you're not rebuilding the starting lineup, you're at least able to continue to rebuild the depth there and then figure out where James Hurst fits in the best for you as well. Is he still your left guard next year? Does he go out to be your left tackle again? Or... Does he end up, or do you end up adding enough talent that he becomes the sixth offensive lineman? So we'll see exactly what happens there. All right, let's go to uh, the defensive side of the football here for number three. I think adding speed, or actually it's not just a defensive football. I've got three positions where I think the Saints should focus on adding speed. Defensive line, linebacker, running back. Now, running back, I put last on this list in terms of priority as well. Because we saw Kendra Miller look fantastic in that final game up against the Atlanta Falcons. And you could see the speed that he has. Even though he didn't have a big long breakaway run of 50 plus yards or you know, a big catch and run of 71 yards like Bijan Robinson did, he still, you know, you saw the speed that he brings, the change of pace and all that, his vision, his ability to cut all that. That was the best that we've seen Kendra Miller look since he was at TCU. So that was really, really hopeful. Like that provides a lot of hope for you. So if he stays healthy throughout the offseason, 
then all of a sudden I think you get that speed simply by having him back. But maybe you find another game breaker that could be back there. Uh, you know, you're not going to find a Jameer Gibbs like you had one in Alvin Kamara already. And then you got Jameer Gibbs. Now you're gonna have to wait a few years before you get another guy like that. But can the Saints find a way to add some more speed to the backfield? And I think similarly, as offenses across the NFL continue to add speed to their backfield and have that complement of the two back systems and all that stuff and having two backs on the field at once and all, you see Green Bay doing that a lot or multiple tight ends. You have to have speed at linebacker as well, cover sideline to sideline, but also be able to beat a running back to the sideline on an outside run and things like that. So with that linebacker core uh, now dealing, adding injury to age, right? Demario Davis getting a little bit older, uh, but Pete Werner looking good. Uh, but Nephi Sewell, who was coming on, he has that, he had the season ending injury in the, in, you know, in, in a closing game, you know, or in, in, in a closing couple of weeks, but you know what I mean? Um, he's going to have to come off of that. Will Zach Bond even be back, even though he's more of a defensive lineman now working more with the defensive line. So I think that adding speed to the second level on the defensive side makes a ton of sense as well. And then we know the value of adding speed on the defensive line because you've seen it from Caden Ellis. You've seen it from Zach Bond. Both of those guys have shown you the ability to be able to impact the game with speed and agility as pass rushers. I think that the Saints should continue to buy in on that. Um, number four, I think you got to move on from Marcus May at safety. The guy hasn't been able to get out on the field and you got a great uh, young rookie or, or second year player now upcoming in Jordan Howden. I don't think there's any reason to hang on for Marcus May there. I think you can move on, open a little bit of salary cap space, and then focus on getting younger uh, over on that defensive side of the football as well with that move. Uh, number five, adding another big body at wide receiver. You could do that in the draft. You could potentially find somebody in free agency. I don't think you can put all your eggs in just having Chris Olave, Rashid Shahid, and A.T. Perry because those are the only wide receivers that are under contract going into 2024. And that's with the technically Rashid Shahid's not under contract, but he's an exclusive rights free agent, so it's going to be easy to keep him. So I have three wide receivers. You got to add more to that position. I think getting a big bodied yards after a catch receiver as well could be really, really important for New Orleans. And then finally, number six, uh, and this is a move that I don't think should happen, but one that I'm on the watch for. Could we see a Taysom Hill trade this offseason? I don't think the New Orleans Saints should do it. I think Taysom Hill, Taysom Hill should be a lifer. He should retire as a New Orleans Saint. But with everything that sort of, you know, all the, the sort of signs are pointing to this regime moving on from the players of the previous regime. I could see maybe a surprise Taysom Hill move here this offseason, but my fingers are crossed that it doesn't happen. He's a lot of fun to cover. He's a lot of fun to watch. And look, I think he's so unique. He's a Saints Hall of Famer. He's a guy like a Saints Hall of Famer. I think that he's a guy that should stick around and should be able to uh, finish his career here in New Orleans. But if the Saints are focused on getting younger and if they're focused on moving on from the previous regime's sort of guys, Taysom Hill kind of checks both of those boxes. So we'll see. We'll see. Fingers crossed, though, that... uh that we see Taysom Hill finish his career here in New Orleans. All right, coming up next, I'm going to take a look at a potential Marshawn Lattimore trade. If the New Orleans Saints are crazy enough to do it, who are some of the people that would come calling? Well, the answer is a lot. we got that coming up for you as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook, and they've got you covered all throughout the playoffs in the NFL as well. Right now, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they move on past the Philadelphia Eagles, but they're going to run into a wall in Detroit. Six-point underdogs. Maybe you like that. Maybe you like the Detroit Lions as favorites as well. You can go and check out all of that and get in on the action over with FanDuel. And if you're a first-time customer, it gets even 
better. New customers can get $150 in bonus bets, win or lose, by simply placing any $5 bet. That is $150 in bonus bets, guaranteed, win or lose, by simply placing your first $5 bet. You can then use that for everything that FanDuel has to offer. So head over to FanDuel.com slash locked on today to get started. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Today's episode also brought to you by our friends over at Jace Medical. I loves me some Jace Medical because I like being prepared. I like feeling safe and everything, especially if you're somebody like, look, it's Louisiana, right? We're dealing with the freeze right now. We got all this stuff going on over here. We got like three days of frozen, you know, weather temperatures and everything. So it's nice to have access to something in case it's tough to get to a physician, or maybe you live in a rural area and it's not just like an easy jaunt to go and get to the doctor or something like that, or a pharmacy or whatever. That's why I love the Jace case. Jace case gives you access to five different big time antibiotics that can help you with a plethora of different ailments, UTIs, respiratory illnesses, things like that. So you wanna go and check them out today over at jacemedical.com. Look, it has simply never been easier to be more prepared than it is today, thanks to Jace Medical. And don't forget, when you head to jacemedical.com, to use the offer code locked on for $20 off. That's jacemedical.com, offer code locked on for $20 off your Jace case. Let's get it. Who that nation? Wrap it up today's episode of Locked On saying to the look at Marshawn Lattimore. You'd want to talk about big moves that could potentially happen this offseason, though I wouldn't expect it to happen anytime soon. The potential trade of Marshawn Lattimore is one that will quickly dominate national news cycles if the New Orleans Saints are wild enough to do it. And history shows that they just might be, especially here as of late. Don't forget, we are your team every day. So make sure you come back tomorrow because it feels like we're going to have some big news to break down. I might even drop the next episode later on today uh, just to make sure that you're all caught up with everything around your New Orleans Saints. It's changes time, y'all. So let's make sure we've got it all covered here every single day on the Locked On Saints podcast. Appreciate you very much for being here. All right. So look, the New Orleans Saints seem crazy enough to do this. Okay. The the Marshawn Lattimore trade that has sort of been rumored and all this other stuff. They redid his contract. Now all of a sudden, a bunch of guaranteed money doesn't set in for him until the week before the season begins. And so the Saints have a lot of time to trade him. He could be a draft day trade, all this other stuff. I maintain my position that the Saints should not do this, that they should not trade him. But I also didn't think that the Saints should have traded TJ Gardner-Johnson. I didn't think that the Saints should have moved on from Bradley Roby. And the Saints did both of those things to varying degrees of success. CJ Gardner-Johnson might be on his way to his second Super Bowl in a row, depending upon how things go with the Detroit Lions. Um, Bradley Roby kind of just pushes guys in the end zones over in Philly. So things haven't gone too great on that one side. But even if you look at it from the New Orleans aspect, they moved on from CJ Gardner-Johnson knowing that they had Bradley Roby. Bradley Roby in the slot was okay. Then they moved on from Bradley Roby for Alante Taylor in the slot who had never played slot quarter full-time in his entire life. And of course, had an understandable learning curve throughout his first year playing the position. Things started to come on late, but he was also benched twice. And he was benched and then had to go back out against the Bay Buccaneers, got an interception, but was on the outside. So now what you have to wonder is, okay, do the Saints continue to do this? Do they continue to make these big time moves on the secondary side? You know what it reminds me of? Sorry, this just came to me. What it reminds me of is the way that like Sean Payton never fully invested in 
big time wide receivers. It was such an outlier that they gave Michael Thomas an enormous contract and everything because Sean really trusted that he could take undrafted guys with Drew and they could make anything work. It kind of feels like DA has kind of a similar attitude about the secondary. Like if you're not in lockstep, he's kind of like, well, I can, I can find other guys, dude. Like I can, I can, I can uh, develop other guys. And I, I don't know, man, like when it comes to Marshawn, maybe that's not necessarily the right attitude to have. Maybe I'm wrong, but we'll certainly see. Um, but here's what I do think. Like the Saints, could they absorb the loss of Lattimore? Probably asterisk. Okay, I'm going to give you my caveat here a little bit. Like Paul Sinadibo is your starter on the outside, no matter what, for sure. Alante Taylor's best game is on the outside. Do they finally give him the opportunity to start out there if they make this really unexpected Marshawn Lattimore move? Um, which, by the way, there's still a ton of dead money attached to Marshawn Lattimore's name, too, even though that they moved a little bit of money from this year over from, from setting in and adding to the dead cap situation. There was still already a bunch of dead cap that's a part of Marshawn Lattimore. That doesn't just go away. Um, and then, look, Isaac Adam was awesome, and, and he's a guy that I think should be back in 2024. So here's the way that I, that I phrase it. There would definitely be a drop-off losing Marshawn Lattimore. There's absolutely no doubt about that. But I do feel like the New Orleans Saints could survive the loss enough to say, I told you so. Like, but that's about it, right? I don't think that they would have the best secondary in the NFL. I don't think that their secondary would get better with the loss of Marshawn Lattimore. That's just, that's just wild. But I think that they would be able to survive enough based on the fact that they've had to play without him for long stretches over the course of the past two seasons to at least say, I told you so, right? And while I don't think saying I told you so is worth it, the Saints might. The Saints might say, you know what? We really feel that we can do this. So we'll see exactly what it is that they do. What do they need in order to make this move? I think that the asking price is probably going to start at a first round pick, but very likely, well, at least that's where it should start. Very likely it's going to be a day two selection. They'd be lucky if they got a second round pick out of it uh, because they're kind of diminishing the trade value of Marshawn Lattimore when you have all this news coming out about how like, oh, it's a culture thing and you know he hasn't been able to get back out on the field and he's injured and all this other stuff. Like you're, you're kneecapping your own uh, trade value or your own player's trade value at that point. So I'd be surprised if they got anything better than a you know, round two selection if they made this move. And then again, like I mentioned, because of the rework, they could make the move on draft day, which is where draft capital is going to be at its highest value and then players are going to be at their lowest value and stuff like that. So this could be an A.J. Brown moment for the New Orleans Saints, uh, thinking back to what the Tennessee Titans did uh, just a few years ago, or a Marquise Brown uh, moment as well. So whether he's traded away or not, I would expect the Saints to still invest in a day three cornerback, very likely, maybe even day two if they do trade him away. Day one, round one cornerback is, kind of, did I say running back earlier? I meant to say cornerback if I said running back, sorry. But I would expect them to invest in another cornerback one way or another, whether this trade happens or not. Um, the Saints have done a good job developing secondary talent, like talent in the secondary defensive back talent. I don't think that they're going to stop doing that <laughs> at any point or investing in that at any point. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that. And a round one corner doesn't feel likely, but kind of like back in the Peyton Turner draft year, I was saying that like edge rusher is my like sneaky first round pick for New Orleans. Corner is kind of my sneaky first round pick for New Orleans this year. I don't think that they should, but I think if like the right guys there, like a Cooper DeJean out of Iowa that's there at 14 or something like that, like, boy, it would be hard for Dennis Allen, Marcus Peterson, uh, Joe Woods to say no to a guy like that. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't blink twice if, uh, if it ended up happening, I'll just say. So finally, 
Who would be interested in a guy like Marshawn Lattimore? And the answer is 32 teams, including the New Orleans Saints, should be interested in Marshawn Lattimore. So just as much as the Saints might look to work out a deal to move him, they should be looking to work out a way to keep him as well. They should be going about both as fervently, right, as the other. But I do think that if the Saints want to trade Marshawn Lattimore, they would just need to make the right decision to make it all worth it. That That's the big thing. They have to make it worth it. And so a couple of potential trade partners that come into mind uh, are the Washington Commanders who have a pair of third round picks, 36 overall, 40th overall. I would imagine that 40th overall is the top selection that they would probably be able to get for Marshawn. Um, Las Vegas Raiders have the 13th overall pick and the 44th overall pick. I think the 44th overall is the one that you would expect. And then the Tennessee Titans are another team that desperately need help on their defense. Mike Vrabel did not get it done uh, when it came to developing talent or when it came to developing a system 38th overall in the second round there. I think that those second round selections, 40th, 44th, and 38th are probably the highest that you're going to get. A couple of those teams have third round picks as well. But honestly, just about any team should be interested in Marshawn Lattimore. Like the Miami Dolphins, who are probably going to feel that they're like one piece away from being in the Super Bowl next year. They're a team that makes a ton of sense for potentially trading for a Marshawn Lattimore. If the Baltimore Ravens um, don't uh, you know, advance to the Super Bowl this year, they're going to feel like they're just one piece away and it might come down to their defensive side. And so a Marshawn Lattimore could make sense there, repair him up with Marcus Williams at safety, for instance. So I, I do think that there's a ton of teams that should be interested in. Oh yes, one of those other teams is the Philadelphia Eagles, but the New Orleans Saints should avoid that trade at all costs. If the Saints did add a day two selection by trading him away, I do think that trying to land another wide receiver or running back, some kind of dynamic playmaker on the offensive side makes a ton of sense. The biggest thing is, do you create a need and then have to solve a need in the draft if you make this move? And therefore you have to burn the pick that you got back from trading a cornerback away on a cornerback. That is a less than ideal uh, situation that the Tennessee Titans went through with the AJ Brown trade. So uh, just something to watch out for. You don't want to be doing that, but if the Saints are going to make this move, they have to just make sure that whatever they get in return is the right decision. All right. I appreciate you very, very much for making Locked On Saints your first listen of the day. Every day for your second listen, make sure you go and check out Locked On Pelicans, Locked On LSU, both having big, big moments right now. So go and check out both of those guys, uh, Jake Madison and Caroline Fitton, get you taken care of with the Pelicans and the Tigers. Appreciate you making Locked On Saints a part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, please say hi. And if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, Make sure you follow me on your favorite social media at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.